0: Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the fairways of life show, on air, online and around the world, with the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and golf channels, Matt Adams.
1: What is going on, folks? Welcome into the Fairways of Life Show. I am Matt Adams, and it's a pleasure to have your company from wherever you are joining us, PGA Championship Week. And let me tell you, the coverage of the PGA Championship, as you've probably already realized, is stout. You're talking about from stem to stern, early in the morning until into the evening, and the last rays of light are leaving O'Kill. We're able to get coverage coming from all these different directions. Much of it is being directed by what ESPN is doing on a daily basis, and much of that we're talking about ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN Two, ESPN Plus, et cetera. All these dedicated, uh, featured group coverage, et cetera. All of it through. Also. The Alternative Broadcast, our guest this morning is Matt Barry, who co-anchors the noon Eastern Time Sports Center with Sage Steele. And during college football season, you know that Matt also hosts the ESPN studio shows between games. He also calls some games on his own and has been able to fill a lot of different roles for ESPN, including a role that I suspect is near and dear to his heart, and that is around the game of Golf. Great to have him back on the Fairways of Life show again. Matt, how are you? Good to see
2: you. Yeah, Matt, great talking to you again. And, and you kind of you hit it right there. Everyone asked what my, my favorite is, and it's, I said, well, it's easy because – the fall represents college football, which is when I'm typically at my busiest. I said, but, but golf is my favorite after January 10th or 11th, the national championship, because we roll right into the Masters coming up in the spring. We've got all the big tournaments out of the West Coast swing. And now here we are at the PGA Championship. So this really is a great time of year. I love being a part of the first two major championships of the season with the Masters and the PGA. And uh, it's, it's going to be great. It's just a great week. All right. So.
1: How is it for you that you have built up this love for the game of golf such as you have, Matt? What's your background with the game?
2: Well, I grew up in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I went to Arizona State, which, as you know, the lineage of golf superstars out there, starting with, with Phil Mickelson and and now uh, John Rom carrying that towards Paul Casey there in between. It's just a good golf school. And so when you grow up, in Scottsdale, you're surrounded by golf courses. I mean, they're literally everywhere. And so when I got, you know, I grew up playing baseball and, and football and my buddies and I in high school, I didn't pick up a club till high school, but we thought, well, there's these courses all over the place. Let's let's go try this out. We swing a baseball bat. How hard could it be to swing a golf club? We found out now 20 plus years later, we still haven't figured out how to do it. But I, I think for me, Matt, when you grow up in an area that's so, so big and rich in golf tradition, during that time, right around the late 90s, and I was in high school 96, I graduated high school in 97, that's when Tiger Woods started to become popular. And that's when we started to make golf popular. And so it just became one of those things that you talk to anybody about. You pick up this club. You pick up the fact that it's not easy to do. And someone like me who's stubborn who wants to get good at everything, it just became – something that I I, I loved playing. I started watching it on TV because of Tiger. And and, and since I'd say late, you know, mid to late 90s, it became a sport that I fell in love with because of Canada, just because of Tiger Woods. And then, you know, Phil Mickelson went to your school. You know, he's an Arizona State Sun Devil, so you start following him. I'm one of those rare people who is a Tiger fan. and was a Phil fan back when those two were at the height of their powers. And so it just became something that I was addicted to throughout my local stops and local TV uh, one of them being in Columbia, South Carolina, we were next door to Augusta. It was only an hour door-to-door, so I got to cover the Masters early on in my local TV career. Dustin Johnson was from the Columbia, South Carolina area, so we did a lot of local stuff with Dustin. And then from there, I went to the Dallas-Fort Worth market. And, of course, we have two great tournaments out there with the Byron Nelson and uh, Colonial and so I just have always in my career have been embedded into this golf world with the places I've been fortunate enough to live. And now being at ESPN for a decade and being part of our coverage, of the masters and, and now the PGA championship, it just kind of led itself to this, that that's just something that I've loved to be a part of And I, And Matt, you know, this better than anyone. When, when myself and Michael Collins launched our stuff about five, six years ago, Maddie and the caddy, we were actually playing a round of golf at PGA national and we were talking about how golf, if you look at golf in its simplest form, what other sport could get former U.S. president, Timberlake, uh, Jason Bateman, and Joe Lopez? How do those people somehow get together for four and a half hours, five hours? It's golf. It's the greatest connector we have. And so I, I, I love it. And it's, it's really fun seeing how many people that I've talked with over the years, these professional athletes and all these other guys who did other things in their life, but they're addicted to this game. And it's, it's kind of explains me and how much I love it.
1: I, I I do. I love all that. Take it is down that road. And What's interesting is when you recount your path, being a sun devil yourself, right from Scottsdale, then you go to South Carolina, then you go to Texas then you've spent the last decade in Connecticut. When did you first realize what real snow was?
2: Oh, see, that's just it. You're, you're bringing up a sore subject because the first time, and my my wife, by the way, is from South Carolina, so she's a she's a Southern girl. And the first time I realized what real snow was is true story. Uh, March of 2013, we're getting settled in in Connecticut, and we got a blizzard in March of 13. Mm-hmm. Mind you, March in Dallas is one of the greatest months there is. Everyone's out on the patios. You're celebrating March Madness. St. Patty's Day, you're having a couple pops. It, with the fact that it snowed that heavily in Connecticut that time, I looked at it I was like, uh-oh, what did we do? And at that point, we realized that March and April, winter is not over in the Northeast. And so we've had to come to grips with that over the last 10 years.
1: It's a good starting point then to talk about Oak Hill because – here we are, of course, with the PGA Championship back in May, and we're in upstate New York this week. Uh, the, the golf course early in the week, Justin Thomas told us, it probably needed about three more weeks in order to be absolutely perfect. They love the golf course by all accounts, but it, it's not completely filled in yet, which is understandable because of the time of the year. I guess my, my view on it, uh, Matt, is – Everyone's playing the same golf course, though. Does it really matter at this point? Just go out, tee it up, and go. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I was out there yesterday. I watched the back nine. And when I'm I'm out at these tournaments, I love walking a couple holes with one group, catching up with another group. And here at the PGA Championship, it's so good because we can go and walk with theirs and get their opinions of the course real time. I walked 10 and 11 with Xander Shoffley and Gary Woodland, talked with them the course. It was their first time playing it. They kind of loved the layout and everything that that the characteristics of this course being restored really back to the Donald Ross era uh, with the restoration they did in 2019 and 2020. And then I caught up with Matthew Fitzpatrick on the tee at the par five 13th, which listed at 623, 623 yards. But the wind yesterday was so brutal. It was, it was so brutal. He told me we walked the entire hole together. He told me he was playing about 700 yards with how brutal the wind was. And the one thing he had said about the fairways is the fairways aren't as wide as we've seen in some of these previous major championships. And the cut between the the, the, the first cut and then the rough cut, it's thick. And he hit a drive off the tee that looked as if it was going to be good, but it bounced off left into this thick, wet, juicy rough. He had a hard time getting the three-wood out of there to put himself in position to hit a third shot, which he had to go fairway metal again because of the wind. And so they're really starting to get concerned with the length of the rough and how thick the rough is going to be because of the time of year because yeah. you're just coming out of winter, so everything is still wet. And then I walked 16, 17, 18 with Finau and Ram and in between us talking about the NBA, and Rom's a huge Phoenix Suns fan, so we were getting into that. But in between that, they were also noticing on 18, where you walk up the big hill, if you miss to the right, the bunkers, I would say at least 10 feet below the green with thick rough where Rom threw a ball and it could actually hang up in the rough before it trickles down into the bunker. And so I would say overall, the players have all said the same thing. This this place is stunning, and it is. But you're right. When you're coming out of a northeast winter, which, by the way, in May, you're not out of the woods from scratch yet. It's pretty cold. They've had frost delays over the past couple of days. And so there's going to be things that they have to contend with that maybe back in the old schedule when it's summer, hot and humid out here. You wouldn't get from this course.
1: All right. Let's talk about some of the things, Matt, that you guys and, and the entire golf world of, of the media side anyway has to contend with, too. What would you say? This is a big question, but what would you say are the leading storylines coming in this week?
2: For me, I've got a couple of them. The first one would be, can John Rahm be the first Nicholas in 1975 to win the PGA Championship and the Masters in the same year? And that doesn't sound, I mean, when you look at major storylines, but if you sit there and think about it, in fact, I had to go to our research team. I said, well, wait a second. How is it possible Tiger never did that at the height of his powers? Well, he overlapped it. He did one in 2000 and then in 2001, but the same calendar year, it hasn't been done in 25 years. This is John Rahm's golf planet, and the other players are just trying to live in it. I think that's going to be a story to watch. Another story to watch. How is it possible to comprehend that Roy McElroy hasn't won a major championship since 2014 and it was a PGA championship? How is that even possible? Nine years. Since Rory's won a major championship, what's been going on with him and his game? I want to focus on Rory. I want to focus on John Rahm. See if these guys can get into a position to make history in their own right. And then I know people hate the back and forth, but it's just the golf world we live in, Matt. You know that. Mm-hmm. Liv had themselves a remarkable masters tournament. Brooks Kepka and 51-year-old Phil Mickelson coming out of nowhere to be in contention. And even Patrick Reed at one point was in contention. That's going to be a storyline to watch every major championship because how are some of these guys going to qualify going forward? Imagine if Brooks finds himself on the leaderboard again, which, by the way, he could. His game's in great shape. Hmm. Phil Mickelson won this thing at Kiowa two years ago at age 50. What can these players do to put themselves in a position to still show the golfing world that they can compete at a high level? If you look at those three bullet points and then maybe ID a couple of players who can win their first champ, major championship, Xander Shoffley, his driver's in a great spot right now. Can he finally get over the hump? That's the great thing about majors. You can find two or three things for the big scope and picture of the, of the game of golf. And I think those three plus the first-time major winners, is going to be something we all have to keep an eye on.
1: All right, so – with those storylines, I'm gonna I'm gonna start from the last because you brought up live, and and for a second here, let's you and I jump back into journalism school. Because of, and as you know, I work for NBC, so it, it's it's yep. we all face the same questions. If your network has an association with in the in both of our cases, the PGA Tour, and you're talking about live. How do you find the journalistic balance to do what you need – you know you need to do as a journalist in order to cover the stories that need to be covered and not get mixed up in the politics or the personal agendas or the emotions, if you please, that are tethered between live and the PGA Tour and where people fall on one side or the other?
2: Yeah, it's a good question, and you're right. It's. I think it's our job to not be emotional about it. I work with a lot of people that played for the PGA Tour. I know what they think of it, but I know that as the host, I don't have a connection, professionally, by either. You know, I, I don't have a connection with either. Like it, it, it is what it is. I know that if Brooks Kepka is one shot off the lead, you got to talk about Brooks Kepka golfer. If one of these other guys are contending and finding themselves in the conversation, you have to bring up the storyline down the middle. I think that's one of the biggest things. Lines have been blurred, Matt, recently with giving opinion on air and telling the story on air. Yeah. And I think you and I both know being around golf viewership, they're probably tired of that. They're probably tired of us having to bring up one thing or the other. We know the players are. But for us, you got to understand that we have a job to do, and the job is to tell the story that presents itself. And if that just so happens to be a live player, winning the PGA Championship, being in contention for the PGA Championship, Dustin Johnson comes in in good form from a week ago winning, we have to say that. Now, there are times where we would say, let's use Brooks at the Masters, for example, when we were on air there. We'd say Brooks got a win last week comes in in good form okay it doesn't take a golf rocket scientist to figure out that the win last week was on live and he comes in in good form it's not something we're going to dwell on we know that the players are wearing their team logos on their shirts it's just part of the world of golf that we live in and i'll say this and this could be a very unpopular opinion but would anybody have been as it not excited. Would anybody have been as curious about Brooks Kepka or maybe Phil Mickelson in the world before live at the Masters had we not seen what we saw? Because those storylines were absolutely incredible that Brooks really comes from the depths of greatest golf despair to looking like he was at the height of his powers again. And Phil Mickelson, I wasn't even sure he was going to keep the ball on the golf course finds his way in. And so as unpopular as the conversation is between the two leagues, it has provided us some intrigue that perhaps we didn't expect from some of the players that we didn't expect. And it's making golf a little bit more of a conversation piece. I'll tell you this. I've played at a couple of charity events already this year with people that love to play. They love the sport like we do. But you know what the one thing that gets asked 100% of the time live versus PGA tour. That's a conversation piece. It's not happening five years ago. So maybe a little of it is good for the sport because it's now encouraged people from outside the bubble to welcome themselves in, to kind of get some inside information on some of these players that defected or are not playing over there.
1: You know, the, the, the my, my view on it, Matt is similar to yours. The, the broader macro arguments between the tour and the source of funding and all of that there are so my look upon it again journalistically is unless you know the source of funding of every other team in business and 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 that which you support you have to be really cautious at saying no here's where i draw the line especially when it's a company that's invested in dozens and dozens and dozens of American corporations that we use every single day, how and where do we cast our moral judgment on another? We have to just be careful with that. I'm not saying you have to like the source of funding. I'm not suggesting that anyone has to like anything. I'm just saying that in this case, and you alluded to it, that I've never seen in the game of golf where we're told so many times what we should be thinking. I think as journalists, our job is to provide the information and then let people come to their own conclusion. And when it comes to the game of golf, I look upon it right now as a buffet. And what you may find rancid might be the most delicious, delectable thing that somebody else has ever consumed. And I look at that and go, okay, that's why we have a buffet. And that's why we have remote controls. And that's why you have your heart and your mind and your emotions. You choose what you choose to follow. And I've never seen a period in the game where so many people and I think it's because of commercial investment where they want us to choose a side to have a particular opinion on it whereas I think from a again from my standpoint journalistically my job is to give you the news and I'm going to tell you what happened and where it happened so when when the guys played well at live I thought it was fascinating and one of the reasons right. I thought it was fascinating at, at at the masters it is uh was the fact that the narrative coming in was they only play fifty-four holes. They're not going to be sharp enough. Uh, they're just not going to be competitive, ready for golf at this level. As if they had forgotten who they are. And at the Masters, we saw no. They very well remember exactly who they are. And I thought it was. I thought it was great. And I thought it just provided, from a fan's perspective, now I thought it provided another level of intrigue. And I definitely think that that could be the case this week. I mean, can you think of from the Masters? To now this PGA Championship, where we've had two majors, where so many players. Now I, I get that, that it's John Rahm's world, and we're all living it. I and I respect that too. I think his his game is mad impressive, and, and I love the photo that uh, Andrew was putting up with with you and John. Uh, but there are so many players. That are capable of grabbing this brass ring. Can you think of of too many majors where coming in it is so hard to say? Well, give me three favorites. It's hard to give three favorites. There's probably because you are talking like Matt Fitzpatrick. You know what? This golf course reminds me of Brookline in some ways. Right. It, 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 that that kind of difficulty. I just, it, it, Matty, there's so many players that can contend. Can you think of another time when we had so many at one point?
2: No. I can't because, and by the way, I should note, an editor's note, the John Rom picture, he and I are both giving the Sun Devils fork them uh, in there. They they cropped that out. Um, but that no. was probably deliberate. <laughs> I can't because think about it years ago. It was, well, Brooks Kepka was winning every major championship, and he was the, the odds-on on favorite to win. And then for a while, maybe Scotty Scheffler had his mini run. But I was asked yesterday if I could take I remember it used to be Tiger versus the field. Yeah. I was posed the question yesterday. It was Matt. I'll give you Rom Scheffler McElroy or the field. Who are you taking? I didn't even bat an eye. I was like, oh, the field. Because there's so many. I was when I was walking with Finau yesterday. I was like, man, this guy is long enough to play here. He comes in in good form. Tony Finau could win this major championship. I mean, there's a list of players. I mean, you get the list of the, the press conference schedule up there. Patrick Cantley is a world-class player. Xander Shoffley is just waiting to break through. Max Home is a breakthrough guy. These are all players that Jason Day comes off winning the Byron Nelson. He was a former world number one. Cam Young, by the way, sleeper, bomber. This is a bomber's course. He could win here. And so there's so many guys that I could sit. If we played a game of make the case for, you could throw me any golfer, but I could make the case for him to win this week. And I've said it a million times. That's when you know your sport is healthy. When you can sit and make a case for ten guys outside the top three guys, because you know that you're in a really, really good spot with your sport.
1: All right. So Andrew found your picture for you, Maddie. There you See. go.
2: There we go. Now we're going. See, you know, you guys we, do, doing was, your
1: Illuminati sign or whatever that is.
2: That's it. They, they, have, everyone. If you, if you know, you know. Hey, you know what?
1: I do want to talk to you about your alternative TV broadcast in a second, yeah. you spend a lot of your time, a lot of your life hanging around, I would guess, probably your best friend, smallish, roundish, fun-loving. What's the name of this dog?
2: His name was O'Shea. Oh, O'Shea, him, I love it. We named O'Shea, my wife and I, we, you know, we, were, we would go to Vegas and have a, have a great time in Las Vegas. And one of our favorite dive casinos, it was my college buddy hangout. It was called O'Shea's. And it was, I mean, anybody who's been to Vegas back in the day knows the dive casino O'Shea. So my college buddies and I would hang out there all of the time. Cheap, really cheap beer, fun roulette wheels. We'd had a good time with it. But when, we, when we adopted Sweet O'Shea from DFW Lab Rescue when we lived in Dallas, Oh. My wife and I couldn't think of a name. We could not think of a name for this guy. And a buddy of mine that used to go to the casino with us all the time, he's like, what about O'Shea? And Ashley and I looked at each other, and we were like, yes, that's what we're naming him. He's 12 and a half years old, still going strong. Oh. Uh, we don't have kids, so he's our son. Uh, O'Shea's our guy, man. He, he is the absolute best.
1: I know that casino, by the way, too. Wasn't that the place that used to have the 50-cent? Blackjack tables?
2: You know it well. That's exactly what it was. As a poor college kid, where else are you going to hang out? A 50-cent blackjack table.
1: We, when we would go, you know, trade shows or whatever in the golf industry, we would go to a chaise, and we'd have all of us, like, sitting around at the table. And I remember being there one night. I'm not much of a gambler, but, I, you know, I was 50 cents a hand. So we're playing, and they're still bringing you free beer while you're playing, you right? Know. So I had a, I, I was ready to go. I had a stack of chips, and it looked formidable, It may have been $20, and it was such a cute place. I remember (laughs) I was like, I'm I'm all done. I took my chips, and I pushed them in. I said, I'm all in. woman behind me, I didn't even know, she goes, don't put them all in at the same time.
2: Like, it was too much money. That's how how humble the place was in Classic, the O'Shea's. And And they tore the old one down, and they built a new one. Back a part of that, that, that link area back there, and it's too oh, nice. Yeah. The new O'Shea's is way too classy, way too classy.
1: The time. Well, I love I loved the O'Shea, That That's a part of it, too, because when Dom showed me that photo before we had you on today, I was like, he's going to think I'm talking about Michael Collins when I say smallish and, it was a great and round setup. And was But this to. O'Shea yeah. is very cute.
2: It was a great setup. I loved it. All right, so let's talk about
1: MC. Your alternative TV broadcast. I know it's not the first time that you guys have done this. Uh, I know with the Manning brothers, with how it started in the football, et cetera. How big a deal is this? How fun is this? How different is this? In a, in a perfect world, what do you hope will be accomplished with what you guys are doing?
2: You know what? In a perfect world, I hope that people watch and say, you know what? You can enjoy golf in a non-traditional broadcast setting. We're going to show golf. We know that Thursday and Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, we are the coverage leading into the coverage. We know that. We'll hand it off to SVP and Jim Nance at 1 o'clock. But there's a way to do it. There's a way to have fun doing it. There's a way to enjoy this sport with two guys sitting around there, watching the coverage, calling the coverage, and having a conversation you and I would have. When they get to that 600-plus-yard par five and we're seeing some of the best players in the world struggle, it would be natural to ask your buddy, hey, man, how many shots do you think it would actually take you to get to the green with the win in your face from 620 yards? That's just a natural conversation. And so we'll have some guests. We have a fun guest list. And it's just going to be another example of how can we enjoy the sport, respect the sport, and have a little bit of fun doing it. What's been the biggest knock on golf forever? Oh, it's an old, boring, white guy game. That's been the knock on the sport forever. How do we invite everyone in, watch a major championship together, and maybe laugh or have some fun while doing it? That's the goal. I get it. There's going to be people at 11, 10 a.m. What is this? Give me Jim uh, Nance. Give me SVP. These guys, who, who, who you know, it's going to happen and i'm fine with that i'm around the sport enough to know that i respect it and i respect how it's done and i always have but let's try something new and let's see if we can attract a younger audience and attract someone who may otherwise didn't think golf was fun or cool and let's see if we can get that done over the next 4 days and i think i think we'll have a good shot
1: i love it because espn has the power they have the breath they have the width to attract these different demographics, to attract these different audiences to the sport, as you said, that you enjoy the sport and you respect the sport, both of which we enjoy and respect the work that you do, Matt. Thank you so much for spending so much time with us.
2: Matt, anytime. I I love your show. I love what you do for the sport. And I, I tell you what, if we could just get this thing, there's so much momentum right now. Let's take the momentum. Let's push it down the fairway and let's all putt for birdie and make this thing great.
1: I love that. Let's let's grab onto that and make that happen, my friend. Enjoy the week. Uh, it was a pleasure catching up with you again. Folks, the Fairways of Life show is presented by the number 1 golf retailer in America, PGA Tour Superstore now with 60 huge, beautiful stores spread out from coast to coast. But I believe the real secret to their success is not only what is within those walls, but who is within those walls. Their people are pros. They are there to ensure that when you leave, you get something that will make your game better, give you even more joy. That's why it is your happy place. Log on to pgatoursuperstore.com and shop with the pros.
3: Easy now. Find your happy place. place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes!
2: (laughs) Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings.
3: Is this goodbye? We've only just
2: begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore.
4: In Ireland... Golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at ireland.com forward slash golf.
0: Nothing
5: feels quite like hitting a PXG iron. That's because we use hollow body construction coupled with the thinnest club face in golf and a vibration-absorbing polymer. These technologies make hitting our irons feel soft as warm butter on a hot biscuit and create a bigger sweet spot, which means more forgiveness, better distance, and lower scores. Play PXG and see how sweet, real power, and incredible forgiveness can be. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, Period baseball nah football done it i think i'm gonna go after the pga tour Bo, you're gonna need the right equipment company i think i got that you know tour edge backs all their
1: clubs with a lifetime warranty i know they ship all their premium custom clubs
6: in 48 hours i know all their premium clubs are hand built in the usa i know you know tour edge has won 35 times out here guys i know pound for pound nothing comes close this is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time.
5: Got it. One zero one.
7: Gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing,
6: I get the direct feedback.
2: The Wiz are really helped me to keep that consistent swing.
6: You can go out there on your own and just hit balls, and it'll fix your golf game.
2: Transition on plane.
8: The Wiz sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com
4: obviously we all ask you a lot of questions about live and you've spoken yourself recently about the burden of that is it going to be a conscious thing for you going forward to try and sidestep that narrative yeah
1: pretty straightforward from rory McElroy, very concise as well it, it, it seems like dom you tell me if you agree with me in this Coming into this PGA Championship week, and it's very similar to what we saw coming into the week of the Masters. I don't know. I have not I've not heard anyone directly being asked or answered to this at either major championship. Was there a discussion amongst officials or even if it was just amongst the players where they said, let's keep the focus of this week on this week. Let's not make it about some of these bigger issues in the game of golf. Now, I will tell you that's a luxury that the players have be able to say. You know, I'm here to I'm here to look at the focus on golf. Seth Waugh, the CEO of the PGA of America, couldn't do that, and we'll get to Seth in, in a little while because he was. They were asked about. He's he's one of the people that are on the board of the official world golf rankings, and that's obviously an issue with live golf. And I got the impression from what he said was, we'll figure it out. We'll figure again, I'm paraphrasing based on what we said again, I'll get to that little bit, but Dom, I, I wanted to ask you that question. Am I crazy in the thought that coming into the PGA championship, there seems to be, I don't know, a group commitment, if you will, that, this is about the golf that's going on this week, and this isn't about some some alleged battle that, that might be going on. Cause I don't really think the players have a battle from one player to another player, at least not anymore. Rory has said multiple times that he thinks it's it's time that that everybody starts to talk and, and figure something out. What, what are your thoughts, and I'm curious.
8: I completely agree with you. I watched all uh, – coming into the week, I watched all the press conferences, hours of content from players, and there was – an odd unity that made it feel like there was a discussion. It's speculative, of course, but, and you heard there from Rory basically saying, yeah, I'm I'm done talking about Liv. We're done. And that response was echoed through every player's comments the entire week. Every player was like, yeah, I'm focused on the golf. This week, I don't care about anything else. We're not, I don't want to talk about it. So it definitely felt, to me at least, like Rory or somebody, again, speculating, had a meeting with the guys or some of the big names and said, listen, guys, um, this has been dragging on for 18 months. Um, it is what it is. We're done. We're moving on. We're not talking about it anymore. Everyone get it? Everyone's like, yeah. And so everyone who everyone who got in front of the podium all week long was like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Don't care. So it definitely felt as though um, there was a conscious effort to avoid any discussion of live and move on completely. Um, maybe moving forward in general period.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. If that, if that is in fact, what's, what's going on and I, I, for me personally, if that is the case, I would love to see it because you know, I don't know. I mean, here we are talking about it again. I'm getting sick
6: it,
8: of it. I'm getting sick of That's what I was going to say. Really I mean. I, I don't want to talk about it anymore.
1: <laughs> all right. So let's get out. I love doing this when, when we're in weeks of major championships where we go back a day or two or more and we find out what the thinking was coming into the week. Now, we have the luxury, right, of looking back on what these comments were from players in whatever happens. Made the cut, lead the tournament, whatever the position that they're in, respectively. But we have the luxury of going back then to what they said coming into the week and getting a sense of where their mind was. I didn't get a great sense from Rory McElroy that he was physically, mentally, emotionally prepared for this week. I, he still seems to be very beat up. I think that working towards the Masters and – Players working towards everything that goes into the Masters. I'm talking about shot trajectories, little pitch shots they need to be able to play, et cetera, Everything that goes into it. That almost like a play, like a like a team that is gearing towards the playoffs. The players geared towards the Masters. Well, Rory flamed out at the Masters, and it seems like the residual on the other side of it is still impacting him. He see when he when he did finally come back. He was very lackluster at the Wells Fargo, where it's a, that's a golf course that he seems like he could play to sleep and finish top ten. Well, he, he, he didn't. He came limping home. Uh, he comes into this week, and you just heard from that cut that we played for you, Aurora McElroy, that was very succinct. You know, normally he's, he's so deep with his thoughts and, and expansive in, in what he talks about, and it just seemed clipped, and, and brief. And so, the at and Byron Nelson was a tie for fifth for Scotty Scheffler. As I shift gears here to another player to say, how's he feeling? The RBC Heritage, Scotty Scheffler finished that one in a tie for 11th. At the Masters, tie for 10th. At the Dell Technology Match Play, 4th. At the players, he won. At the Arnold Palmer Invitational, a tie for fourth. So, what I have for you next is Scotty Scheffler talking about his attitude and how his attitude trumps the results, but in fairness, geez, those results for world number two are still pretty darn good.
7: You know, when I show up to a tournament, I expect to, to do my best and try and play well. Um, most importantly, I just try and have a good attitude and go out there and, and play. Um, and so, I don't... I try not to place too much of an uh, emphasis on the result. Um, For me, it's more about the preparation and showing up at the tournament and having a good attitude and then going out there and competing. All
1: right. And then when we talk about world number one, John Rahm, who coming into the week, everybody said John Rahm is the one to keep a close eye on. Of course, in Mexico, he finished second coming in RBC heritage, a tie for 15th. That was right after he won the masters, presuming that he was tired from there. So, His record is so mind-blowing coming into this week. Uh, John Rahm was asked about how do you have a mental posture, a physical posture, so that your success can be sustained?
7: I mean, it's sports, right? And the path to success, I think Arnie said it, the road to success is always under construction. It's not a linear, constant path of of improvement, right? It's it's ups and downs, and... It's, I mean, it's not only in golf, that's just life, right? The next day is not always better than the previous one. It's just impossible to think that way. It's never going to happen. So uh, I just got to deal with it. It's, it's Again, it's sports, right? Um, I wouldn't know what to say. Like uh, that, That's all I can tell you. It's I think it would be ludicrous to think that you can always keep increasing your level of performance. That's just impossible. So there's going to be downs. Again, like I just mentioned, even Tiger had downs, right? So... Maybe his downs were shorter. Uh, maybe his downs were different in his mind, but everybody had them. It is part of, part of sports. Now I'm hoping, I guess as a player, you've got to hope that your low is not as low as, as others. That's, that's all I can say.
1: John, Robb, since his victory at the Farmers Insurance, Max Holmes had a pretty good run. At the Waste Management Phoenix Open, okay, tied for 39th, but then he came bounding back at the Genesis Invitational with a second-place finish. 14th at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Tie for 6th at the Players. A tie for 9th at the Dell Technologies Match Play. The Masters, okay, tie for 43rd from a player that's still learning a miscut at the RBC Heritage, but a tie for 8th at the Wells Fargo Championship. Max Holmes spoke coming into the tournament about these golf tournaments and how you balance them all in terms of importance
7: I think I just did it with all golf tournaments they all felt like the end of the world
2: so if they didn't go well they all feel so important and then you you think
7: about a, a year later and they don't feel as drastically important so I just think I do that with most tournaments so I've been doing a better job this
2: year just going and playing playing golf tournaments
1: Max a very popular player that many have been keeping their eye on now for a long, long time because of multiple wins that he is racking up. Tony Finau is another that, rightfully so, uh, people have been watching. And Tony was speaking about, to the press, how he's feeling, the level of confidence that he's carrying into the week.
7: I feel like a different player, you know, more so than I've ever been. Like, more confident in my game and my abilities than I've ever been. And, um just who I am as, as a person and as a player. So I think those things will serve me well as I continue down my path uh, in my career.
1: European uh, Ryder Cup captain Luke Donald spoke to the press, and they were asked about a lot of different things, including about team selections along with Zach Johnson, et cetera. Here's, here's Luke Donald on keeping the separate separate.
7: To be honest, I think that the team selection should be pretty separate. You know, um, you know, I'm, I'm in charge of the European team and, and what's best for us, and, and he's in charge of the U.S. team and what's best for him, and I think that's, that's just how it should be.
1: And that's pretty much the way that it's always been. It's been more acrimonious at times. I think when you're talking about Luke Donald, who you remember came in as a captain when they removed Henrik Stenson as captain of the European Ryder Cup side, and then Zach Johnson. In those two guys, you have two of the classiest people in the game of golf in terms of just how they overall conduct themselves. Very, very impressed with both captains so far in terms of their leadership. DeWiz golf is something that you can be impressed with, too. This incredible wearable device will measure your golf swing in real time and space based on neuroscience, so as a swing monitor – You can know what your swing is doing unlike you've never known it before. And then with all the data that you get back from using this device, it is a swing modifier. You could be better than you've ever been. How? Because you can know your swing like you've never known it before. Check it out. It is a technology that does not exist anywhere else and has never existed in this form prior. To whizgolf.com. More of The Fairways of Life show coming up, and when we come back, you heard me mention the CEO of the PGA. Well, the CEO of the PGA was asked about what about the official world golf rankings and live, and you guys are on the board. When are you going to get this all figured out? We'll talk about that when he answers. After,
2: I guess. Hello, world, huh? <laughs>
0: and with one subtle hello, Tiger began an amazing and unthinkable career.
7: Done it for 20 years now with with Bridgestone allows me to play an aggressive style around the greens
0: and it's allowed me to win a lot of tournaments. Bridgestone Golf proud to be part of your journey.
1: Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf. Destination with 10 championship caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern lower peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, boing Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boyngolf.com. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time.
5: Got it. One zero one.
7: Gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback.
2: The Wiz has really helped me to keep that consistent swing.
6: You can go out there on your own and just hit balls, and it'll fix your golf game.
1: Transition on plane. The Wiz sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com. <laughs>
3: easy now find your happy place place. the pga tour superstore it's all in the hips where every swing is possible just tap it in yes
2: (laughs) find all the latest gear apparel and personalized club fittings
3: is this goodbye we've only just
2: begun shop with the pros at golf's happy place the pga tour superstore
5: nothing feels quite like hitting a pxg iron that's because we use hollow body construction coupled with the thinnest club face in golf and a vibration absorbing polymer these technologies make hitting our irons feel soft as warm butter on a hot biscuit and create a bigger sweet spot which means more forgiveness better distance and lower scores play pxg and see how sweet real power and incredible forgiveness can be pxg nobody makes golf clubs the way we do period
1: Zero Friction introduces the Wheel Pro Push Cart Golf Bag with its revolutionary 3-in-1 design, supportive legs that spring into action, a comfort grip handle with three locking positions, accessories for the modern golfer enhanced by seven pockets for more storage, and removable all-terrain wheels, which slide right into place. The new Zero Friction Wheel Pro Golf Bag checks every box for every golfer. Push, carry, or cart, the decision is yours thanks to Zero Friction. Head to zerofriction.com today
6: you know we're we're struggling with bifurcation like a lot of folks are and in a sense of you know that's we think that's an integral part of the game that we can all test ourselves against others uh and frankly how do you where does it stop and start and how you know police is it and our 28,000 would be in a position of being the policeman kind of on that which we struggle with a little bit as well all
1: right, so that was Seth Waugh, the CEO of the PGA of America. What he was talking about, he, he flat-out openly just used the word bifurcation. Yes, it is in reaction to that word being used in the question that he was asked by the press coming in this week at the PGA Championship. Uh, first of all, I want to define for you what bifurcation means in the game of golf, and I want to make it explicitly clear that the USGA in the r n a Golf's two governing bodies that govern the rules of golf around the globe. The RNA's geographic span is much larger, their footprint, than the USGA, but the USGA has the much larger chunk of golfers around the globe, that being in North America. So, the USGA and the RNA have proposed rolling back the golf ball. That rollback of the golf ball is in what they call a discussion stage, which doesn't, to me, seem like a massive discussion stage. It seems like they've already made up their mind. They just want to know what you think about it, just being honest. And essentially what they're doing is they're changing how the golf ball gets tested when it gets submitted for approval. So the Iron Byron, the robot that swings and hits into the ball at a maximum distance at roll it out with with uh, an allowance to about 320 yards. And it's currently being done at 120 miles an hour. They want to move that up to 127 miles per hour. But along the way, when the USGA and the RNA said that they intend to do this, or they're getting feedback on what they would like to do to better define it, that... This 127-mile-per-hour testing of a golf ball would not apply to the golf balls that they test for the amateurs. So they call them recreational golfers. That is used, it's all, I know it's semantics because that's what this is, we're talking about here, semantics. So they said, well, it's not going to affect the, the recreational golfer. Okay. Well, what you just heard there from Seth Waugh, he is the CEO of the PGA of America. So golf's governing bodies, they would definitely qualify as one. How? Because the PGA of America is the organization that governs the 28,000-plus PGA professionals throughout the USA. They are the gatekeepers of the game at the respective clubs that you're going to go play. One of the things that he spoke about was the fact, are you going to ask—again, I'm paraphrasing— are you going to ask our professionals to be the police— on which ball someone's using and if it's the correct ball for who they are or what they're playing that day, right? It gets complicated. That's the bifurcation that he's referring to. The governing bodies, when they address this issue, never use the word bifurcation. My understanding is the the RNA hates the word bifurcation. In fact, I think Martin Slumbers, their chief executive, called it a split plan. Sure sounds like bifurcation to me. So, and Thomas Pagel said he wouldn't argue with someone that used the word bifurcation. Just interesting ways of dancing around this word. Well, Seth Waugh flat out used the word. Again, in fairness to him, it was a reaction to questions he was asked, but that was the word that he used. And he said he told everyone that the PGA of America is struggling with this idea of bifurcation if you're struggling with the idea of bifurcation, there's only two ways to go. Either you say, okay, recreational golfers, we don't believe in bifurcation, so we're going to lobby golf's governing bodies to take away that protection, so you at home are going to lose distance and a considerable amount. Or you go the other way and go, we don't believe in bifurcation, we want everybody playing the same ball, and we don't want, the 28,000 pros that we have that govern all these people at all these clubs. Now you're talking about millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of golfers. We don't want them to be restricted and penalized because a tiny group of the best players in the world are hitting the ball so far. That's the definition of what we're talking about here. That is what going, that's that that's what's churning underneath The calm surface that you're looking at and the way he just answered that question, in my view, that's the only way that you can judge it. If you are struggling with bifurcation, quote, end quote. Then there's only two directions you can go. You either accept the reduced distance ball for everybody or you say, I don't want it for anybody. I want the same ball. It'll be really interesting to see which direction the PGA of America goes. Remember, the PGA of America governs, they own the PGA Championship. This is their major. They also control the American side of the Ryder Cup on top of what they do with those 28,000 PGA pros throughout the country. At another time, if you want me to, I'll go down the road historically of telling you how the PGA of America is in such a position of power relative, say, like the PGA Tour. And that's the other shoe to drop. What's the PGA Tour going to do about this and where do they stand? Because if the PGA of America and the PGA Tour decide that they're going to reject the proposal for their constituencies and competitions, then that means that that proposal, in my mind, is dead in the water. They have to find some middle ground somehow if there's, if there's going to be anything left to it. Otherwise, you're just going to have a different ball at the elite competitions governed by the USGA and the R&A. Now, Seth Waugh was also asked about the official world golf rankings, remembering that all of those same bodies that I just mentioned and more are the ones that sit on the board of the official world golf rankings. And he was asked the question, should live be given official world golf rankings? Here was his answer.
6: There has been healthy back and forth. It has not been acrimonious. It's been, you know, collegial back and forth of, them making an application, as other uh, tours have done. Uh, we've responded. They've responded. Um, the ball, from you know, my understanding, is it's in their court from our last response at this point. But it is, you know, it's a, it's a natural process. There is no magic to 12 months. It's just sort of most of these, all of these, I think, or certainly since I've been around, have taken, you know, more time than I think, the, um, than I think was assumed early on. And it's, you know, so that's where it is. It isn't, it is not a, this is not an us versus them. I think the OWGR, if you take a step back, the whole point of it is to create a level playing field, a yardstick by which to measure the game. And our job is to measure tours, not players, but tours and how they perform on those tours um, to come up with that yardstick. And that's what we're all attempting to try to do. And we've been, I think, very responsive to them in terms of um, their requests, and and they've been responsive to us. It's not – it isn't, you know, it isn't some battle.
1: It sure seems like a battle. That was a really interesting conversation or comments from Seth Waugh about conversations that they're having between Liv and the official World Golf Rankings because the so-called battle is being defined by the comments that are being made, the the players and Liv, and in this case – I would say the chief spokesman relative of it is Phil Mickelson. And then you have the CEO, uh, uh, Greg Norman, and both of them have made comments that are battle-like comments because they're frustrated. They're frustrated that they're not getting world ranking points. Uh, Phil Mickelson even saying, uh, par- again, paraphrasing his comments at the, uh, the OWGR that uh, the argument that he had online through Twitter with Colt Nose needs to, quote, do their job. With the ranking. And I think everybody agrees that players that are that good that are then going to be in major championships if the official World Golf rankings continue to be used as a gateway into them. You have to figure this out. But from Seth's comments, it sounded like it's something that they intend to do. Wow, there's a lot going on through all of this fairways of life show will continue after these words pxg's new gen 6 golf clubs are now available you can have the opportunity to go through the fitting process that is as unique and as in-depth and fun i would say as any in the game Uh, if you want more information on that log on to pxg.com or just call 844 play PXG 844 Play PXG and see why the new Gen 6 clubs are easy to hit, blazing fast, beyond forgiving, and outstanding distance that can help you hit it straight down the middle with lower scores and more fun.
3: Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. Happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes!
2: (laughs) Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings.
3: Is this goodbye?
4: We've only just
2: begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore.
4: In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses. All set alongside world famous scenery. And visit our world famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at Ireland.com forward slash golf.
0: It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts.
5: Nothing feels quite like hitting a PXG iron. That's because we use hollow body construction coupled with the thinnest club face in golf and a vibration-absorbing polymer. These technologies make hitting our irons feel soft as warm butter on a hot biscuit and create a bigger sweet spot, which means more forgiveness, better distance, and lower scores. Play PXG and see how sweet, real power, and incredible forgiveness can be. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Period baseball nah football done it i think i'm gonna go after the pga tour Bo, you're gonna need the right equipment company i think i got that you know tour edge
1: backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty i know they ship all their premium
6: custom clubs in 48 hours i know all their premium clubs are hand built in the usa i know you know tour edge has won 35 times out here guys i know pound for pound nothing comes close this is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time.
5: Got it. One zero one.
4: Gives you feedback in real time.
7: Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback.
2: The Wiz I really helped me to keep that consistent swing.
6: You can go out there on your own and just hit balls, and it'll fix your golf game.
2: Transition on
8: plane. The Wiz, sold exclusively at TheWizGolf.com.
1: Welcome back folks. Pleasure to have your company as we sit on the eve of the PGA Championships. So many different storylines. One of them, of course, is the weather. I don't not sure if you've seen the weather forecast, but they are predicting that tomorrow morning it's going to be 33 degrees. If it's going to be 33 degrees at Oak Hill tomorrow morning, there will be frost on that golf course, and they will not tee off on time. If they do not tee off on time, that changes the scenario in a couple ways, which we'll get into. Because one of the things that I've been talking to you guys about from the start of all this is that, from what in my opinion, if you have a late- Early draw, you're going to have the advantage because you're going out when it's later in the afternoon on Thursday and warmer, and early on Friday when it is significantly like 10 degrees or more warmer on Friday than it would be or will be on Thursday morning. Here's the thing that's interesting about that. However, we were talking about this yesterday, Dom, and how many of the big Big names. We're talking about Rom. We're talking about Scheffler. All of these guys are out on Thursday morning, which is really interesting to me.
8: You can see the I mean, red right ta- arrows there, Matt. That's the featured group coverage. Yeah, well, go ahead. Take us groups. take us
1: through some of the featured groups, and just this this illustrates what I'm talking about.
8: Well, I mean. I mean, you can see it on your screen there, but Scotty Scheffler. this is 8 a.m. tomorrow. Which, of which if they're, they're lucky, show, Matt, if they're lucky 8 a.m.
1: tomorrow, Dom,
8: 8 a.m. tomorrow, they'll <laughs> be lucky to hit their first tee shot. Uh, Yeah. Scotty Scheffler, Brooks Koepka, Gary Woodland, Roy McElroy, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Shane Lowry, Jordan Spieth, Victor Hovland, Matt Fitzpatrick, Cam Smith, and John Rahm basically – the names that people care about, for the most part, eighty percent of them are in that swath of players scheduled to tee off in the freaking frost and thirty-one degrees or whatever. Now there is some feature groups in the after, afternoon. There's some feature groups in the afternoon, but I'll be yeah. honest, Matt. I'll be honest. It's weak. It's weaker. I don't know how you can argue it's not weaker. You've got this is the afternoon crop of big names, and you can see if you're watching on TV the red arrows; those are feature group. You'll be able to watch those groups on ESPN Plus if you so choose. Tommy Fleetwood, Cam Young, Hideki Matsuyama, Adam Scott, Max Homa, Tony Finau, Xander Shoffley, Terrell Hatton, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Cantlay, Ricky Fowler, Phil Mickelson. Stout list. Incredible golfers, major champions. You know, that's good golf. I want to watch that golf. But it's not like the morning wave. You cannot argue against that. Go back so to the runway wave, think,
1: Andrew. Dominic, what I think happened here.
8: Scheffler-Brooks, Rory, Speeth, I mean, JT, come on. Come on. It's just not the same.
1: What I believe happened here was that they put together their draws based upon maximizing television ratings. It's one guy's theory.
8: Of course they did. Theory. That's not theory. It's fact. Get real. So they
1: put these guys out early so they'd be out <laughs> late on a Friday. Yeah, for sure. And they'd maximize the views. If it if it stays, and the reason I'm saying if, I'm going to explain to you in a second, if it stays the way it is, I think those afternoon, what Dom's calling the afternoon featured groups on Thursday will be at a distinct advantage over the huge names, most of which who were the top of the odds coming into this week by comparison. When you tee off and it's that cold. And I'm not, I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here because there's many people that are watching us in, in regions that they've been through that cold. I don't care how much you think you can warm up your body. You, there's only so much you can do to warm up your golf ball. It will not compress the same when it's that cold.
8: How much yardage do you lose, Matt? Is there? A, at is least 10 percent. It depends on the temperature. On That's the degree, problem. Or how is it? It's at least 10, 10 percent per degree.
1: No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way because, because now you're talking about what's the inbound speed. That's how much is no, the I golf know that, ball? No, I that, but
8: I'm at like in general. So it's like every 10 degrees down, you lose a few percent on the distance or something like that-ish?
1: Yes. Um, I would put, if, so if example, you're going to ask it to, no, it's well, really well, hard for I mean, me specific.
8: to answer it. No, no, be specific. Look at the, Andrew, sorry, put it back to the weather. So if on Friday afternoon, right, it's, say yeah. it's in the 70s, right? Yes. And, and the guys tee off at, 30 degrees right so you're talking about a roughly a 40 degree g- uh, difference right for a for a player for an average tour player carrying the ball 300 yards right a 40 degree difference are they going to lose 10 yards 15 yards 20 yards roughly
1: um i would say so that guess, it's, guess. it's probably somewhere around two to five yards for every 10 degrees below one extreme to another once you get into the cold temperatures, once you start to get into, like, if you're from 60 and above, it's not as profound. You will get more of an impact as it gets warmer. The ball flies farther when it gets, like, over—now you're talking about over 80 degrees, 85 degrees, 90 degrees, and it starts to really pump out there because of how, how pliable that, that rubber is. But when you get under 60 degrees, again, this is so hard. I'm brushing with a broad brush here. No, I know. But I it's would say broad. it's I roughly it. 2 to 5 yards per 10 degrees. So if you're talking about mid-30s, then you're talking about somewhere in the worst-case scenario, and you're now you're talking about the slower speeds as compared to the higher speeds, those guys could be losing upwards to 20, 25 yards, yes.
8: That's what in I am getting. In guy's is a huge – and then on this golf course, which we've been talking about with the rough and stuff, that's uh, – and in the morning, it'll be a little softer in the fairway. I mean, that's – the course is going to play – but, again, you got to remember there's other difficult. factors.
1: When, when you're not hitting it as far, you're, pr- you're probably not as much in trouble, so you're probably hitting the, the fairway more, but instead of coming in with
8: – Yeah, you're 20 or 30 yards further back, you're hitting four irons.
1: It could be a four iron. It could be a hybrid. It, it could be f- another fairway metal. Yeah, it, it, does, it does make a difference. So what I'm saying is I, that's why I think it is a distinctive advantage. But here's the caveat. Here's where the asterisk comes in. Depending on how long that frost delay is, depending how long that frost delay is tomorrow, the afternoon players may not finish. So even though, again, we're defining them as featured groups, we're really talking about players that everyone's keeping an eye on as, as the leading, probable leading contenders. They're kind of in the middle of the afternoon group, so they're going to be deeper into finishing their round. They still may have to be part of the crop that comes back on Friday morning to finish your round, which would be early. This could throw off. You might not have a cut until mid-morning on Saturday if it stays the way it is. And on Saturday, they're now talking about a 70% chance of weather coming in. I don't think the weather is going to hold up anything because this golf course already drains so well. The greens now are all are, are all rigged, so they can't hold water. And I, I'm not saying rigs in a bad way. I mean that in a good way. They have the the, the technology that they can just suck all that moisture out. But I think that whoever – and I said this to you earlier this week, so forgive me for being redundant, but it's just proving to be more of the trend of what we're seeing from these forecasts whoever has the lead leaders after 36 holes i believe are going to be at a distinct advantage because i think it's going to be harder to catch them given the conditions and then sunday looks like it's going to be a perfect day for the final round and it looks like you know, from you that you haven't standpoint, mentioned
8: the wind at all gusts in the 20s with all the other conditions being yeah. difficult like we're talking about that's a uh,
1: but those gusts be a little bit of a train wreck <laughs> But those gusts in the 20s that I'm focusing on are the ones on Saturday when it's already raining. That's part of why I'm saying if you're out in front, it is a lot harder for people to get at you because they can't shoot this miracle round behind you like they normally could. They're fighting to stay alive out there in in these gusts and winds and rain.
8: I I kind of enjoy the carnage at a major, I have to admit.
1: Oh, I think you're going to see, you're going to, you're going to, there'll be some neck snapping because there, there'll be some, some crashes in turn number four. There's no doubt about that. So incredible
8: stuff. Well, it doesn't look like there's stuff. any thunderstorms in, in there. So as long as the rain isn't torrential rain, they'll probably, like you said, just play through it all essentially. Uh, yeah, that's true. And It'll that's, and, and that's what conditions. I think it's going to be.
1: That's what yeah. I think it's going to be. It's it, they're, they're calling it showers, but when you have when you have rain that that conspires with with wind, that makes it brutal on a golf course that's already tough enough as it is. It's going to be unbelievable. All right, Tom, what are you hearing from the people today? What's coming in?
8: Oh my gosh, so much is is coming in. Uh, uh, I'll try again. I, I don't edit this. There's just so much stuff. I'm just going to read off some stuff. It's like the Masters weather part two. Uh, Tom writes uh, frost delay guarantee. Push back the tee times in 90 minutes. It will happen. So those 8 a.m. groups will go off at 9.30. Now, obviously, he's speculating, but let's assume he's true. Late groups on Thursday will not finish until Friday morning. A lot of what you were mentioning there, Matt. Um, Now, bear in mind, there's another element
1: to this, too. That frost delay is going to help the guys that I was just telling you are getting the sharp end of the stick because they're playing so early. The frost, because that frost has to melt, if you don't and the grass is frozen, you kill it because it breaks. As They're going to go off later. That's going to help them at least on their back nine in terms of being able, you know being able to feel their hands.
8: Yeah, true. DJ is now like number 80. It's ridiculous. Obviously, that's some sort of – again, I'm going backwards here. I'm sure they're having – a lot of times what you folks will do is you'll have conversations amongst yourselves have nothing to do with what we're talking about, which is great. I love it. I love the debate in golf. There's a lot going on here. Um, but I think they're talking about the world rankings, which, again, some of the stuff that Seth Wall said was, as you mentioned, quite interesting. NBT3, my teaching pro plays at 7 a.m. tomorrow. He was the only guy practicing. What is that? His pro? One of your pros is in the PGA. That's so cool. Andrew, go to the tee times. Braden Shaddix, maybe that's his guy, or Chris French. That could be this guy's pro. That's really cool. I tell you, Matt. I know it's it's boring for some of the the, the general golf fans, but for the diehard fans, it's really cool to see the club pros in the could event. Could be Josh too at seven oh five. And, and it's true, but additionally, um, there's usually a couple of these guys, Matt, that will make the cut. So these yeah. are very these are not these are not just like ceremonial positions. These are. Very, very good players. Well, remember, these a, lot of of them- the, a
1: lot of these guys are guys that tried to make it as touring pros, and for a variety of reasons. It could have been injury. It could have been family issues. It could have been not wanting to be on the road. They, you know, they, have, they have, uh, had a young family at home they want to stay with. You hear that a lot. Uh, there's a whole variety of different reasons that Well, we've that been players- doing this show
8: for 16 years, and we've had club pros on this show over that time. I remember – that were as good, if not better, than some of the pros, and they literally came on our show. I'm like, listen, I could have played on tour. I probably could have won on tour, but I love teaching, and I can't stand the travel, the lifestyle. The lifestyle on tour is not for everybody. So, yeah, these these guys are also the same guys that out go
1: there. out and qualify for yeah. U.S. Opens, et cetera. For yeah, sure. they're they're stout
8: players by and large. So that's really cool, MBT three. That you got a guy uh, you, that your pro is in the field. That's really cool. Yeah, we we'll have fun. to keep an eye it's on like that. You. Um. Yeah, I bet that's really exciting. That's got to be a lot of fun to watch here. Uh, let's see here. Uh with the weather being an issue for the next few days, does that favor Shane Lowry? Comment, Matt, on your Irish brethren. Well,
1: Shane Lowry, if memory serves me, is eight. Where's his tea in, time, Andrew? Put him up there. Eight twenty-two.
8: What time did you say? Eight twenty-two. He's scheduled with with Spieth and
1: Hovland. Assuming Spieth plays, that's still up in the air. All area. right. So if he's scheduled, I'm just looking it up in mine right now too. If he's scheduled at eight. Uh, what T? Uh,
8: ten on ten on the ten. All right, he's
1: scheduled at eight twenty-two on ten. Uh, so eight twenty-two, nine twenty-two. He would he would presumably be playing somewhere around ten a.m. At which time the temperatures should be forecast somewhere at least in the middle forties. Would that help Shane? Yes, obviously. The quick answer and, and definitive answer is one hundred percent. It will help him from what he was otherwise scheduled to do. Uh, And, again, Shane Lowry is one of those that not enough people keep an eye on. He's one of the leaders in total driving. So that is a category of the combination of distance and accuracy, both of which are going to benefit you at a long golf course with a very penal rough.
8: Andrew, we Uh, still have those. I I think think that's why Shane Lowry pops up so
1: often at events like this. Like, he's one of these players, and, and Matt Fitzpatrick is another one. The tougher the golf course, the more that there is a premium on par, and for when I say it relative to the best in the world, you're talking about anywhere from slightly above two-level par to about 12-under in that range uh, at, at the end of a tournament. Someone like Shane Lowry surprises a lot of people because he, because he continues to pop up, which is funny to say for someone that's already a major champion. So, yes, Shane is definitely one to keep an eye on.
8: You guys did that on purpose. You knew Matt was going to get excited about you, and Larry. How many of these current top players can win six-plus majors, the bar for legend status, in my opinion? This century, it's only been Tiger and Phil in the legendary status category. So is this a weak era for golf? That's a conversation for an nope. entire week of shows, but yeah. it is interesting. It's and sure fun it doesn't to represent
1: a weak era in golf. What it represents yeah, is a it, is it, is it depth area yes. of golf Agreed. that you have players at the top of the game that are so so tough but in terms of players you were capable of winning six major championships of who's cruising no, I right think now
8: I think there's 10 people I could I could name 10 people right now well
1: you certainly have to you can start at the top of the, the list with Rom Scheffler and McElroy McElroy's JT two away could
8: do it Spieth could still do it Brooks could still do it I, I think that's all very reasonable to assume yeah. possible
1: yeah, I think there's. I think we, obviously we need ten or twenty years to look back on it to see who got to that threshold. And I don't mind that the threshold being defined as six. I think that's a that's a really good number. Well, there's also obviously guys that you could Phil. see
8: breaking through, right? Like Morikawa, I could see him collecting. Well, he's already more got two. Can, so yeah, that's what I'm saying, but like Cam Young has got a million runner ups. If he figures it out, he might open the floodgates like Tony Finau did. Uh, yep. You know. I think Max Hom is similar, right? I feel Max Hom seems to have found so- something, and now he's piled a bunch of wins in like a twelve month span. I feel good about both Cam Young and Cam Smith this week too. Yep. Well, there's some odds actually. Yeah, we got some people coming in here. Scotty Rom Cantley playing good golf. Brooks at thirty five to one is a heck of a value. I don't know if Brooks is still there. Yeah, he's, 30, he's twenty to one. It depends what bookie you use. But well, uh, they're you can also see the updated odds there. Yes, they're correct. also changing. These odds are different than yesterday. Yep. Well, you know it's interesting so you can about see the it. odds there on the screen. Remember how I told
1: it. you yesterday? My prediction was, which I was wrong about. My prediction was, after a player speaks, traditionally the odds get even tighter. And Rory spoke. Worse. Rory went to fourteen to one, which means that the world is going. Uh, he is, no, he's not going to.
8: And Spieth got worse too. He showed up with all that tape, and they're like, yeah. <laughs> This isn't looking good.
6: <laughs> don't know if I'm going to put it. He had a bunch of in, tape. He had
8: a bunch of tape all over his left wrist and that KT tape. He had like a big black strip running all the way down to his elbow, and he was out there. Now you know Todd Lewis and a million other people reported that he didn't look like he was in pain playing, but who knows? Yeah, so but then they said they hadn't seen worse. him taking, they hadn't <laughs>
1: seen him take a swing out of the rough yet. Like a full yeah, swing well, out
8: of the rough, which is probably going to be. I poof. think Finau's got better, and Brooks is. I think they were twenty five to one yesterday. I think their odds got better. Xander and Patrick are about where they were, sixteen and eighteen to one, and it's still again. I think DJ again, at twenty
1: five to one is pretty good. Let me see what he's got on the other side. Cam Young at thirty to one—that's a strong one. Cam Smith, what is he? Thirty eight to one. Colin Murcaw, a brilliant ball striker. Thirty-five to one just needs the putter to work. I like I, the second page, the page you have on the right side of the screen, Andrew. Those are the guys. I'd be I'd be running out right now to take a look at that. Sam oh, well, Burns at forty is on. to one. Max Holm at forty-one. Are,
8: uh, I would put it. They're not on this list. Ricky Fowler and Tom Kim. Yeah, Based where's on Tom those Kim? Stats What's he we at? Went through. Tom Kim is eighty to one. He's not would, still I,
1: at eighty to one.
8: 80-1, to one. i put some put 10 bucks on that guy, for sure. For sure. Let me get a few more things in. There's so much stuff here. Let me, let me... Scottie is one of my favorites right now. Strong believer and loves seeing how he wears his faith on his sleeve. Uh, you can go on uh, YouTube, I think on pgachampionship.com. You can watch the press conferences that we've been referencing and played some clips from in their entirety. I would recommend it. It's worth it. I do think it shows a different side of these guys because it's unscripted and you listen to them talk for... Twenty minutes. I don't like um, the way
1: they're doing it this year, where they're all standing up at that podium. I don't think someone's as comfortable when you're standing. Andrew at a podium. complained
8: about uh, Andrew. Put the Seth Wall. Put a screenshot of the Seth Wall one up there. Andrew. Andrew was commenting to me off the air. He's like, "This is not a good look <laughs> for <It> anybody." Just, <laughs>
1: I don't think. I, I think when a pl- when someone's sitting down so at a at a traditional press conference setting.
8: They don't know what to it's, do with their hands. Look at look at Kerry Hag. He's just he doesn't know what to do. Yeah, they're all Ricky Bobby. They don't looking know what off to do into with their the hands. looking at the moon. <laughs> they don't know what to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, I definitely I definitely like it down sitting down at a table with a microphone where someone seems more relaxed than the way they're doing it now. Where you know I don't know what do we call this? Is this kind of a, the post post COVID interview That's setup a podium situation? Yeah, where it's like the podium gets put out there and it's a drive by interview. And Corrupt dry- official see-
8: World Golf Rankings Board is the major issue now. <laughs> so uh, They're angry about this rankings thing. The comments from Seth were interesting. I think everybody – it's funny. You and I – I mean, 18 months ago when this thing broke, you and I were the oh, – I feel like the only people in golf that were like, whoa, 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 let's all pump the brakes. Let's take a macro view here of what's going on. You know, wherever you might sit morally or politically or otherwise – you know, there's a lot of factors and layers here. And we, we spent a lot of time breaking it down, and uh, we went in-depth on a lot of these things. You can go and find this stuff on YouTube from a year ago. We were we were saying these things. And now, all of a sudden, 18 months later, here we are, and it feels very much like everybody has taken their foot off the accelerator. Like, all the players got with Rory, and they're like, all right, we're 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 moving on. We're not going to talk about this anymore. The PG of America is like, yeah, well, eh, we're going to play the Masters. There's
1: there's, there's Yeah, still but, there's I mean sti- – there's still significant media entities that are still trying to make live go away because they hate it. Yeah, and but my,
8: my point is that the, the finality has come. Not only is live here, and we just right. need to – it exists. It's a thing now. But I think I, – correct me if I'm wrong. This is a little speculative, but I know, I'm not sure about this. It sounds to me like all four majors – have officially embraced we will let qualified live players play in our major. They have, but, but moving still, forward. But that's not
1: the end of the story because it's it sounds noble to say, look, if you're qualified to play in this major, you're going to play in this major, which now in
8: retrospect seems completely logical. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> However. That's what I'm saying. They were saying that stuff a year ago. They're like, no, they should be banned from all golf events in perpetuity. It's well, like, whoa, that's whoa, because whoa, whoa. they've. They're, this is crazy. <laughs> they're,
1: they're not using the – I hated the phrase the first time I heard it, and thank goodness it's not being used hardly at all. When they were all talking about golf's ecosystem, I have rabbit ears up there, you know, the <laughs> ecosystem, which means basically the keeping it the way it is. So what have, we, what have we realized since that time? Well, what everyone has realized is that whether you love them or whether you hate them, live is not going away. And – I think even the media is coming to even those they're most ardent in their and their venom for live are starting to come to the realization that they can't make live go away just because of vitriol. They cannot make live go away because they're going to try to publicly shame the players who have chosen to be there. It's not working. What's more and this is where the, the benefit that we have because of the contact that we have with people nonstop, Dom, is that we're coming to the realization that people are like, I'm trying to figure out if I like it or not. I'm not judging it whether it should or should not exist. So people are starting to treat it they, the way they would a restaurant in your town. Yeah, I've been there a couple times. It was okay. I'm going to keep going back and see if if I like it. Instead well, also, of instead of starting it's from also the presumption not black
8: that- and white. It's gray. Correct. Like Mark Hubbard was on our show like last week. And remember, his answer to you was was gray. It was like, you know, do you, I think you asked him, do you want Brooks on the Ryder Cup team? And his answer was yes and no. It was like, yeah, he's if he's playing great. Yeah, I think he should be on the Ryder Cup team. But and also, yeah, yeah. But he was also like, but, you know, we told everyone they were banned. Maybe they should be banned. I mean, it's gray. It's this gray area. It's complicated.
1: But they weren't in a position to tell everyone that they were banned. It's a PGA of America event. They have, they have criteria to qualify. See, that's where, that's where this thing got, this, as you, you phrase it, the gray area. At the start of it, everyone was talking about golf's ecosystem and how could you go over there and how could, how could you challenge your ability to be in the majors, et cetera. Where, where the, the devil lies in the details is this, though, and this is the thing that, that people aren't talking about while it may be noble for the golf's governing bodies that control these major championships to say, look, we want the best field possible. If you qualify, you're in. We're not going to close the door to you because you chose to play for another league, right? That's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. The majors should have the best fields possible. Everyone agree with that? Right? What is there to disagree with about that? However, the devil in the detail is that the fruit can die on the vine if they don't figure out what the entrance criteria is. Because then otherwise, you're going to have players who should be there. You know they're playing great golf. You know they're amongst the best in the world, and they can't get in because the criteria is based on that old Ecosystem.
8: I still like Bubba's plan, even though it's like incredibly simplistic for getting players in. If you remember, he spoke uh, at, I don't know, some live event in in advance of a live event, maybe three weeks ago, a month ago. And he basically said, wait, wait at the tours in terms of which tour is the most important to least important, but based on money list or points on that particular tour, you take players from all of them. So just as an example, right, I think everyone would be in agreement. Maybe some of these people watching wouldn't be, but everyone would be in agreement. The PGA Tour is the best, the most elite tour, right? And then say the Corn Tour is three, four tours down, behind the DP World Tour or whatever. You would, you would let the top 80 players on the PGA Tour, this would be the new major championship criteria, right? The top 80 players on the PGA Tour get in the majors automatically. The top, let's say, top 10 players on the Live Tour get in every major. The top 10 players on the DP World Tour. The top five on the Corn Ferry Tour. But then you'd also have everything, right? You get some guys from Australasia. You get some guys from the Japan Tour. and every event, you take the best of each tour. Bubba said something similar to this. And he was just like, let's just take the best X number of players from each tour and throw them in a pot and see who wins. And then maybe you change that criteria based on how those players perform over a long period of time. So, for example, if you only take three, the top three guys from the Japan Tour, but for five years running, you got a guy from the Japan Tour getting in the top ten of every major. Maybe one wins. It's like, well, geez, maybe we should give the Japan Tour six guys instead of three. They clearly shown they can compete at the highest level. There's some really good players out on that Tour. Now, again, I, I'm, this is what I'm saying is speculative, and I know it's extremely layered and complicated. It can't possibly be as simple as what I'm saying. But I don't hate that idea. I don't hate that idea. That makes more sense than what we're trying to juggle right now.
1: It, it does, but it's so hard to define that because, you know, when it, for example, when it comes to live, the top half of their field, they all probably deserve to
8: be there. So. Yeah, but how much of that is, is? I don't know if I agree with that because if you how much just because that, you they, won they a picked, major just because you won a major does not mean you should be in every major for the next 10 years just because you won one one time
1: well now you're now you're changing another level of criteria i don't have a problem with the people that earned their way in because they won a major we're talking about players who have form that deserve to be in the field because they're playing well enough right now and if you have a preset number how do you set that number so say if say in a 48 player field you set that number at 12 okay that's 25% of the field is that too high is that too low how do you know so and then and then what criteria do you have to judge how it should be adjusted i think the far better thing to do here is to make sure that when these groups they need to sit down at the table and figure it out. And with Phil's comments, as I mentioned earlier in the show that he made the Colt Nost on Twitter when he said that the, the official World Golf Rankings needs to do their job. And Greg Norman's been very outspoken about the official World Golf Rankings as though the official World Golf Rankings is deliberately blocking them. If the Which official Seth World said Golf they rankings,
8: weren't kind of if you were pardon? Hearing, he just kind of said they weren't blocking. When we play he Seth's said cards, that he said he was that like yeah we're, we're talking it's positive we're, we're working it out just kind of what he made it sound like but what
1: I'm saying is is that when you sit down at the table live needs to make sure that they don't come in with a sense of entitlement that they deserve world golf rankings based upon what they're currently doing if what they're currently doing the official world golf rankings is no these are the criteria that we need to hit let's hit them do it get it done. So that's the thing that worries me with all of this, is that when we talk about this great equity that's going on in the game, because we as fans, my belief is that we want these players there. I know that there will be some. I, I'm sure there's messages coming in right now that, that are going to be the classic. They, they've they made their bed. Now they have to sleep in it. They knew the risk when they joined Liv, right? Okay. I don't know what they knew when they joined Liv because all the guys seem to be shocked that they're not getting official world golf ranking points. All I know is, is that if the official world golf rankings points is the gateway for them to be at major championships, we know that there are players from live that should be in those major championships. And even if they're there now, more or less, even that they're there now because they haven't dipped low enough, that's not going to be the case. They're going to continue to tumble. So this is something that needs to be addressed or the major championships will not have the strongest fields that which they all claim that they seek to to have.
8: Well, they can also change their own criterias. The majors can do whatever they want. True? Like they Master can they scan, can change certainly. the Yeah, they can change the criteria so that they don't really care about the official world golf rankings and they use other metrics, whatever metrics they decide to get players not just live players, players from any tour, like I mentioned. I mean, at the PGA Championship, there's players from tours all over the world, not just live, So, or the PGA Tour. Let me read a few more things here because there's so much yeah, stuff ahead. coming in. And we appreciate you guys commenting. Love it. Keep it coming. My question of the day, by the way, was, are you going to watch featured group coverage? I know I am. In fact, I'm going to produce that we don't have a show tomorrow <laughs> so I can watch some golf. <laughs> I'm going, going what to what
1: produce I'll th- so that we don't have a yeah. show tomorrow.
8: Yeah, I'll produce. Producing on the fly here. By the way, I'm unavailable tomorrow morning, Matt. There'll be no show.
1: <laughs> yes, Dom will be suffering
8: from a I'm busy. I've got something morning. came up. <laughs> yes,
1: Dom will be thawing uh,
8: 64% said, yes, they will watch feature group coverage. MBT3 writes, Josh Spite, or Spite, sorry if I said that wrong, is my teaching pro. Andrew, go to yeah, the team. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's off at uh, on number 10. Seven, 705.
1: 705.
8: with Trey Molinax. Trey Mullenack, and I think that guy's Suzuki from the Japan tour. We just mentioned that, yeah. Um, so good for him. Huh? So I hope he plays well. That's great. Uh, let's see here. Um, did you see Scotty's face in response when asked about live? I did not. Again, you can look up the press conferences and find all that stuff. I didn't. Kim I didn't and Fowler no for I mean. sure. Uh, they're obviously talking about what I said about those two being good people to bet bet on. We we went Andrew uh, Matt well, earlier in the week. We went through stats. Matt's key stats for the week, and those guys are really uh, both. Those guys are in the mix They're on all three of those stats. So, yeah, uh, and their odds are not great. You know, it's like eighty to one or whatever. So,
1: I'm not saying, uh, the, Dom. I'm not telling you that I bet on any of those people that we talked about, because officially, I'm not allowed to. I'm not telling oh, you it's, that it it's did.
8: illegal or whatever.
1: <laughs> well, it's
8: <laughs> it's against policy. Policy, right? more policy, like a yeah. guideline. More but I a, will tell the anti-live you, the anti live movement needs to stop. Period. Dalton says, "What? What was that? The anti live movement needs to stop. Period." But what I'm
1: saying is, is I think, I think that the so-called anti live movement is stopping. I think it's losing a lot of its momentum from the standpoint of well, trying to put what in media place. You watch, Matt. Pardon me.
8: Depends what media you're watching, what you consume
1: what i'm what I'm talking about is is the world of golf at large. and I'm saying that that in terms of the definition of live hating that are, how would you define that? Obstacles being put in place to keep them from doing what they want to do. The DP World Tour and the PGA Tour are barring live players from participating in their events. whether you like that or whether you dislike that, those two organizations have a right to do that. It's their organizations. doesn't matter what our opinion is. They have a right to do that. When it comes to the major championships, the major championships tell us their agenda is they want the best fields possible. Okay, if you want the best fields possible, then it doesn't matter where the players play. They are the best players. They should be there. Right? So from that standpoint, it'd be an interesting discussion as you you keep bringing these subjects up, Dom, and saying uh, we could go on for hours in different shows, and, and we probably have and probably should. But I think that a lot of those initial walls of just just complete vitriol that was there early on, people are starting to settle in and go, "Okay, people made decisions as to where they're going to go, and whether you like or hate where the money comes from." As I was saying to Matt Barry earlier in the show, I, I think those are separate issues, and I definitely define those issues by, okay. Are you aware of where the money's come from? Of everything else that you love and back. I mean, what, what one of the things that's going to be interesting to me, and and I think these are the type of things that I don't want to speak obviously for Rory McElroy, but I just wonder, that same exact fund is looking to buy Man United. Whether it'll happen or not, who knows? And 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 how how they deep own, it is? Don't they
8: own a most of Newcastle already?
1: They do own Newcastle in the they own Newcastle. <laughs> but Rory is a lifelong, huge, ardent Man United fan. If this is—is is this about source of funds, or is this about competition to between and with the PGA Tour? I mean, I'd be curious about that. Rory's obviously not going to talk about that now.
8: Well, I think you could argue, regardless of money, so let's say it was called the whatever the the grass tour and it was funded by someone completely different elon musk you could still well well it doesn't matter you could still argue i would argue that it would still be a bad idea to go and play on that tour because i do think there is truth at least some truth in the idea that the legacy that has been built over so many years on the pga tour does have great value and regardless of this other tour whatever it is like Brooks leaving to go there, I do think that could impact legacy, regardless of whether the tour is evil or not evil or where money's coming. from. Just leaving to go play somewhere else could mess up your legacy.
1: Tom, I get it, but legacy is such a relative thing, and I realize that legacy can be judged against hard numbers, but then we get into the the vagarities and the gray area of comparing eras to eras, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All of that is difficult to do. The bottom line to me is the one thing I try not to do is I try not to judge people based upon their life decisions as to why it was right for them. I have no problem having a conversation in the context of if I was in that position, what would I do? But from the context of what these players did and the position that they have, they may be looking upon it as going, hey, we're the founding members of what will become a major golf league. Which would absolutely make people cringe to hear me say that and roll up into a fetal position if that is potentially possible that are on the other side of, a, of argument, one way or the other.
8: You know... What else you got? Before... Before we came on the air, I'm going to read you some more comments, but I want to mention this. Uh, Before we came on the air, I was talking to Andrew this morning, our man behind the the scenes. Yeah, but he's full of so much rage. Yes, true. But he brought up a really good example that I thought was fascinating, sort of a metaphor. He said, Dominic, there's a lot of people that eat McDonald's and eat Burger King, right? And it's just fast food, right? And there's a lot of people that will never go to a Burger King. They're only going to eat McDonald's. And there's yeah. a lot of people that will only go to Burger King. They just don't like McDonald's. But if you're sitting on the subway, right, you're sitting next to a guy, you're not like, that guy eating Mac- That guy eating McDonald's? If what he asks you if you problem? want some fries? Yeah. And, and it's also not a conversation, right? The guy's kind of like, hey, I'm just wondering, do you like McDonald's? Because I like Burger Kings. If you like McDonald's? That's a problem. <laughs> all right, so let, let me ask you a question. When you question. look at it like that, it's, like, absolutely ridiculous. It is. Yeah, but mean, let me they, ask you this question. What, it's all fast food, like you say, Here, a buffet. Here's, here's eat, a far more King. important Don't eat question. Don't Burger King,
1: whatever. All right, so you're sitting next to this dude. He pulls down the little tray. Maybe it's an airplane. He pulls down the little tray, and he lays out. Now, you're, a, you're a, say, Dom, you're a McDonald's guy.
8: Hate Actually, I, I hate fast food, and I'm very judgy. So I think all these people are disgusting. Right. Okay, so that makes this story even better.
1: But let's say when you get something, I'm not even sure who has what, but I think McDonald's has a Frosty, right? I think that's there. No,
8: that's Wendy's. Oh, is that Wendy's? I don't know.
1: Right. That's
8: the Japan what? Golf Tour, Matt. Stay, stay with me here. All right,
1: so here's my thing. You're sitting next to this person on a plane or train, whatever it is. They take down their thing, and you can't stand Burger King. You'll never go you're very judged. Should be it should be banned. Banned. And right. he has one of those huge, you know, whatever the largest size French fries you can get. He's got him right there, and they're steaming. It's probably a just small. Got, got, <laughs> him, got him right before he got on the, on the train, and he's got like a big, like quadruple max burger that's just dripping with all the goop. <laughs> and he's at, He's got it laid out the there, good. and he's got his frosty and milkshake and whatever. And then he goes. He goes, ah, Jesus! I gotta use the bathroom. So he gets up and he and he leaves. You can see him. You watch him walk down the aisle. You watch him. He waits a minute to get in. He goes in the bathroom. Dominic Scarano, you're sitting right there, and you hate the Burger King, but these fries, smoke's coming up. It's tickling your nose. <laughs> Are you wolfing one down? Yes or no? Uh,
8: no, definitely not. I just don't lie to me, not Dominic. a fast Food guy. You're under. You're under food. live streaming
1: television oath.
8: I would not steal food without asking. However,
1: I would not steal food without asking. <laughs> <laughs>
8: Say however, that quote too. However, I'm not sure if I've ever. <laughs> I'm not sure if I've ever shared this story. So, I waited tables for many years in my youth when I was struggling. This sounds struggling, so confessional. Yeah. There was a time, I'm not mentioning restaurant names, Bertucci's, where I was a waiter, and why am I saying this? So when people would order, say, a pizza, right, a large pizza from Bertucci's, decent food, by the way. I worked there, guys. Not bad. Check it out if you haven't. It's pretty good food. So you'd have a big Bertucci's. It was all homemade stuff. Big Bertucci's pizza, right? They slice it, you give it to them, it's four girls. They don't eat, you know, they eat like birds. They eat like four slices. They don't want to box it because they're going to the mall. So they say, Ah, we're done. Are you guys you want me to box the pizza? No, I don't want to box it. I bring that pizza back behind you know, behind that waiter wall, right? Yeah. I'm not, I'm, 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 you wolfed it down. <laughs> All the time. And here's the thing I started a trend because the other waiters saw me do this and like, what are you doing? I was like, listen, I just waited these four girls. They didn't eat the pizza. This is untouched, delicious food, and it's free. I'm not gonna waste it, woman. Just because the, the 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 GM would be like, you gotta throw that food out. It's contaminated. What are you talking about? It's not like contaminated. So what what ended up happening is all the other waiters agreed with me, and they would. So it became common practice when I worked there at Bertucci's. I wonder if I'm gonna get sued here. I don't know how this works, but. So I like if people didn't finish their food. I'm not talking about like you know they're they're like you going into said chicken anything parm.
1: Negative to bartu <laughs> at all. You you <laughs> really they're going they're going into their, and yeah, so but I'm like up. if they're like
8: eating pasta and spitting out pieces of pasta in a bowl of pasta, I'm not eating that. Probably but not. A, yeah, a pizza, pizza, right? Right. An untouched slice of pizza. Come on, come on, come on. What if it was? So, what yes. if it
1: was garlic bread with cheese, and they only took two pieces?
8: If it was pre-cut garlic bread, right, and it was like an end piece that they didn't touch, totally fair game, absolute fair game, because I waited it on their table. This is not this is not food that you found in a dumpster. This isn't dumpster food. You you waited you waited on the table. You saw what they eat. You saw what they didn't eat. They didn't eat the pizza. You know the ironic thing is,
1: it's literally one step away from being dumpster food.
8: (laughs) You know what? Judge me, okay? Go ahead.
1: Go ahead. All right, a few more things. I don't things even to know how we, how we went down that road. All right, so, Dom, let's – If they uh, stop
8: using official world golf rankings for majors, they won't be stronger events than every ele- every other event, elevated event, and should lose a certain amount of their image as elite tournaments. I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah, it's a bonus as a major winner. Uh, Sir Frass, Frass, I don't know how to say that guy's name. Taylor Gooch must be in the U.S. Open, plain and simple. He's currently not in the field for those of you who well the the issue with
1: that true. is that I do think that he deserved to be in. However, he's not gonna try to qualify. That that's the part that, that and I don't know whether there's a conflict in, in time when, when he
8: could have, but
1: th- that's the championship part of, is
8: no longer a true major. Well that's what just it, not true. Which one did you just say? Some guy just said the PGA Championship is no longer a major, a true major. Why? That's wrong. Why?
1: Jim, why is that? What's the Jim reason for that? That's I all wrong. Right. For, for example, Taylor Gooch is in this. If that's
8: the if that's the criteria, <laughs> Brooks and TJ are going to rip up Oak Hill. There's a lot of pro live golf fans here, which is fine. Brando Chambly ranted against Phil. It's live hate. That's true. Chambly is clearly, I don't know nothing from nothing, but he's clearly not a live. Surprise. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Uh Ramco pretty much runs Formula One. Aramco is uh one of the oil companies. It's underneath the umbrella for is what that person is talking about. Yeah. Uh Aramco is a big supporter of women's game. That's true. We've talked about that on this show. They have a whole series of tournaments that are. But yeah, but we talk about it in LAT terms of the LPGA hypocrisy. Yes, we correct. talk
1: about it in terms of the hypocrisy like uh, the source of funds is so evil it shouldn't be unless the source of funds helps the particular area that they're being spent in what if you're going to cast moral judgment on where the money's coming from then how are you so comfortable in saying oh unless the you know the means justify the ends
8: okay if there's something crazy someone he's probably writing sitting next to me i'm taking a piece
1: (laughs) oh i would have taken a french fries yeah there's no doubt oh
8: No one goes to Burger King for French fries. <laughs> they wrote, well, that guy's not a fan of Burger King. <laughs> yeah, he's not. Well, he's, but he's not. He's and also if he doesn't like Burger
1: King, I don't like him. <laughs> but he's also knowledgeable. He's, he knows that the yes, French fries yes, yes, apparently yes. are not as good. I, I was unaware of that.
8: This is funny. I, I love that we've stopped talking about golf here an hour and a half in and we're talking about McDonald's. Yeah, but
1: fries. who put us down this road? You. You did. No, I didn't. I didn't start talking about Burger King Matt, and McDonald's.
8: You're the captain of this ship. You steer it. I sure as heck I didn't talk just, about you eating from a dumpster like a raccoon. I'm just, I'm just the crazy person on the crew running around, going, "What about this? What about this? Pull that flag down. Do this." Your job is to be like, uh right. Andrew, you know, turn off Donald." Don kind of is like a the raccoon. ship. is I headed had never for an iceberg. About
1: that before the
8: I'm way what? that I'm he's the, got
1: his hand motion, first mate. I'm no, the first mate? I think you're kind of raccoon like. You raccoon like, ra- like? Yeah. You have raccoon like
8: hands. You can get in any dumpster. I would never, I would never steal that guy's french fries. But yeah. I would steal some pizza that's going to get thrown out. Come on. <laughs> Don't judge me. By the way, some of, one, some of you people watching, I probably ate, I'm sure you went to a Bertucci's and I probably ate the pizza you didn't eat. Don't want to
1: waste. There's it. another annoying thing that Dom does too. He has no problem firing his fork into your
8: bowl. Yes, I'm, I'm a big not sharer. kidding you like a missile. I'm a big sharer. I'm a sharer. It That's was a not problem sharing. for my wife when we first started dating. Raccoon Dom. When we first started dating my wife and I before we were married. Like we would go to a restaurant and she came from a very blue-collar New England area where, you know, your plate is your plate and my plate is my plate. Where I came from like there's food on the table, you better get it before it's gone and you know, box out if you need to. <laughs> and so we would sit down. I mean, this is like five dates in, right? And my wife would be like, Oh, I want the chicken parm and then she'd put the chicken parm down and I'd be like, Oh, I'm gonna get the scallops. I get the scallops and then the food would come like that yeah, chicken parm looks good and then I would just go at it. That's <laughs> saying. She's like, Fires Whoa, right in.
1: Yeah What are you
8: doing? That's a major but, violation. But no, hey, she married me. Come on, I'm a good guy. I didn't marry so you. And you'll fire into so my Sometimes plate. I take some chicken parm from your plate. It's a small price to pay. I'm a good dude. Good dad, good husband, solid person. Anti Burger King. I check all the You're boxes. not anti
1: Burger King. <laughs> None of us are no, anti Burger
8: King. No, no, I don't care about any of these things. Dom sounds like Steinbrenner from Seinfeld. I feel like, what? You do? Should I be offended yeah. by that? No, should so I be true. offended by that? That's one hundred percent accurate. I shouldn't be offended. I feel like I should be offended. Is that even the way, even is the, the way you're even the way you're
1: responding to it sounds like Seinfeld, uh, George Steinbrenner. When when well, George Steinbrenner just was modeled after door.
8: Larry David, so I feel like they're saying I'm Larry David. Yeah, you got a little of that too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I feel like this show is. have almost gone two hours now. Anyway, yeah, there's a lot going on. When I'm you're very excited. Food. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anything Final else results, you want to go over, Dom? Sixty three percent. Yes, we'll watch feature groups tomorrow. I don't think I will say I wanna go over, but I will say that uh I don't know, I feel I feel like can we officially I was joking before, but you want to officially not do tomorrow so we can watch golf? I kinda want I'd rather watch golf Matt, Look, to be honest. Is that okay? With we're you? not gonna
1: get we're we're not gonna do we're not gonna be here tomorrow. We're not gonna get in anybody's way. The leaders yeah. are scheduled to go out early.
8: Yeah, baby. There there is Andrew, no one in their, their right mind. The audience. Yeah, that's right.
1: There is no one in their right mind that would be inclined to watch our show while there's real golf going on at the PGA Championship. So, no. We're going to be frost-delayed until the next time we're together. Now, I will say this, that Masters Sunday, we came on the air that night immediately following the conclusion of the Masters. And I think on this coming Sunday – we should go on the air live immediately following the PGA Championship.
8: Glad you hey, agree. Did you, what, do, you need, do I need to approve this or something?
1: Well, you just did.
8: Okay. See, Your pregnant night? pause told me that it was a,
1: <laughs> an idea that you you endorse. So we'll we'll idea. be uh, we'll be with you guys on that Sunday night. As to the coverage of how you can get it starting tomorrow, let's jump into that. PGA Championship coverage, I'm going to say on TV, and TV, I realize, encompasses many things now. It's broadcast. It's streaming. It's what you cast to your television screen. It's what you watch on your phone or your iPad, or et cetera. Thursday morning at 7 a.m. is when it starts. ESPN Plus. At 1 p.m., ESPN. Same time, same bat channel. Obviously, these times, I'm sure, are subject to revisions because of frost delays otherwise, which are, I think it's safe to say they're expected. It sounds like other people agree with that. 7 a.m. Uh, at on ESPN Plus on Friday and 1 p.m. on ESPN. Again, you're going to have to check these locales and, to see how they change. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, the schedule is scheduled to be, and again, I I have a feeling this is going to alter based upon needing to clean up some rounds. 8 a.m. on ESPN Plus, that's the streaming channels, and it includes featured group coverage. And there's multiple channels, just so you know there. 10 a.m. on ESPN, 1 p.m. on CBS. Same schedule on Sunday. All these times are Easter. 8 a.m. ESPN Plus, 10 a.m. ESPN, 1 p.m. on CBS. The alternate television broadcast, that's what Matt was telling us about earlier in the show that he and Michael Collins will be hosting. Thursday at 11 a.m., on ESPN, 1 p.m. on ESPN2. Okay, it's the same for Thursday and Friday. 11 a.m. on ESPN, 1 p.m. on ESPN2. Again, I think you have to pay attention to all this because I think it's all going to be moving based upon what's going on with the, with the weather. Saturday uh, at 9 a.m. on ESPN and 10 a.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Same on Sunday, 9 a.m. on ESPN, 10 a.m. on ESPN+. Plus. I'm definitely going to be watching that. I definitely want to see what that's all about and what that's like. The Streaming and Digital PGA Championship... Live coverage on ESPN Plus again, which featured group coverage is a part of. Just to recap it, Thursday, Friday at 7, Saturday, and Sunday at 8. PGA Championship Radio is a mix of Sirius XM and Westwood One, which tells me if it's Westwood One and the latter, it may be syndicated on some of the radio affiliates, Terrestrial, did I just say that wrong? Terrestrial? Terrestrial, thank you, Dominic. Uh, Radio stations around the country. Sirius XM, you know what it is, the National Satellite Service. Thursday and Friday, Saturday and Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time, each of those four days. Okay? So that gets you up to speed. Hope you guys enjoy this PGA Championship. As you can tell, we're super excited about it. Cannot wait to share all of it with you. Uh, If you subscribe to us, if you're watching us and you haven't, please go ahead and subscribe because then you'll get a notice when we come on the air on Sunday night, and we'll have the pleasure and the joy of recapping everything that took place along with you just like we did over the course of the last few days. Until we are together again, thank you very, very much. Be well and goodbye for now.